the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. Hello, hello. It's your girl Karina here at the Big Silence Podcast. So happy to have you back for another episode this week. Uh, Number one, thank you for being so loyal and making this one of the top mental health podcasts. If you don't already follow, make sure you subscribe so every time a new pod comes out, you get notified. And again, every month, if you leave a comment or a review, we choose one person and we send you a whole bunch of Tone It Up and big silence swag. All right. So what else is up? Okay. Uh, oh, did you get an email? I'm doing a wellness retreat in the spring of 2024 here in Austin, Texas. And trust me, all the amazing things. We did a survey when we got your feedback on what you wanted, and we are putting that together. Excited about that. So make sure you sign up for the Big Silence newsletter because that is where it is first getting announced. And we'll have some special discounts on there as well. Oh, today, go to Karina Dawn account on Instagram and tone it up. We have a special Why Not Wednesday with today's guest, Katrina Surdy, aka Katrina T-I-U. She has been an OG tone it up girl who is just a leader in the community for so many, many years. And I was so excited because I I reached out to her because I know she has this incredible story and her resilience is her superpower. And so we talked for an hour on the phone and then I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? And she's like, yeah. And she's a teacher. She had the summer off. So she's like, what if I just come to Austin with her husband, Chad? So she flew out to Austin. We got to hang a few nights and days, do some cool stuff um, here in Austin, Texas. It really was such a joy to reconnect with her. And I think you will really love this story. 
I actually, after having this conversation with Katrina, I was like, I want to have more conversations with community because we all have been through so much and we're always here, you know, for each other together and supporting one another. So email me, DM me, something. If you got something you want to share because we are in this together. All right, enjoy this podcast. As always, share it with a friend who you may think needs to hear this conversation to make them feel not alone. And uh, Katrina, thanks again. Thanks. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Katrina Surdy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You have been such a bright light in the Turner Up community and in your own life as a wife, a mother, auntie, everything. And I reached out to you probably a month or two ago. Uh, Jeremy, who you know, I uh, was like, you know what? He, he stays in touch with you and follows everything. And I do too. But he was like, you should have Katrina on your podcast. I was like, you know what? I, she does have an incredible story, and I want to hear more. So I DM'd you, and we talked for an hour, and I was like, you want to come on the pod? And you're like, sure, and you're a teacher. You're like, it's summer break. You'll come to Austin. Yeah, why not? Here you are. <laughs> I've never been here before, so. <laughs> and if you're not watching on YouTube, or if you are, we're sweating, because <laughs> it's 104 in Austin right now. And we had to turn the AC off. The AC was broken. It anyways. wasn't even working. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> but I have known you for, what, 13 years? Yeah. How did you find Tone It Up? I think it was maybe Pinterest. Oh. I think it was on Pinterest. Yeah. I think I was looking for healthy recipes. Um, and I, I think I saw an ad for the nutrition plan or... Maybe it wasn't yet because I don't think you guys came out with it yet. But um, I just saw you guys and I was like, this looks fun. They look yeah. fun. Yeah, we are. Yeah, you are fun. <laughs> and so I just went on YouTube and I started doing all your workouts and followed on social media. I got an Instagram Instagram account just to follow you. So yeah, <laughs> just to do tone it up stuff. Yeah, My niece had to show me how to use Instagram. and. That's how I got started. Well, even Instagram back then, Kat and I would use it as like a filter. Like we didn't know what Instagram was actually. And then everyone was doing like hashtag underscore TAU. And we were like, what's TAU? We're like, oh, tone it off. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that was at a time in your life that you were going through a lot. And I, I love like the Tone It Up community. I want to share more stories like yours, because we all have a story. And I just most recently started sharing mine more. And obviously with Big Silence and Foundation, the podcast, just, you know, talking about everything. And you've always been such a light in the community. Thank you. You have. But there's also behind the light, there is some darkness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so around that time. Um, I, so... My husband and I got married in 2011, and after that, I I was never consistent with exercise, so 
I ended up gaining like 10 pounds after our wedding. And I have always been like a naturally petite person. And so gaining 10 pounds on a body that's only like 5'1", five, 5'2", five, uh, it's like, it's, it's a lot. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I gained like 30 or so pounds and I'm 5'10". And it then, just doesn't feel good. Yeah. It just, you know, and, but we all have our seasons right. out, like whatever we weigh and the, right. the number on the scale. I just stopped using the scale. I'm Same. Like, it's just, I totally got rid of it. Yeah. 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 I don't use it. Yeah. But, um, like I didn't even know that I had gained so much until I started Tone It Up and I had my husband take a picture of my before photo. And I remember looking at my photo feeling sad because I didn't look happy. And I felt like I am a happy person and and this and that, but I was feeling sluggish and my stomach hurt all the time because I just wasn't eating the right food. Um, So I started doing the Tone It Up program and I fell in love with you and Kat. I fell in love with the community and it just, it gave me life. I felt like for the first time I was a part of something amazing. And uh, it was just all the good vibes that I wanted. And I ended up finding my best friend, Lauren. Uh, Shout out to Lauren. Shout out, Lauren. Lauren, What's up? Hey, girl. You can come (laughs) next time. We're having a good time over here. Yes, definitely (laughs) need to come next time. Leave the baby at home. Um, (laughs) But I I just found myself growing as a human. And I back it up to my high school—yeah, because this—the whole community aspect is a really big reason— why I was so drawn in, like the sisterly love that Tone It Up encompasses and supports. I like I'm getting goosebumps, even though it's like a hundred degrees. I know. In here. I'm like, I have goosebumps under the sweat. Yes. I'm just gonna like again <laughs> just own the sweat right now. <laughs> it's like we're this is the sauna series. I mean, that's part of the Tone It Up mantra anyway. So <laughs> isn't it? Sweat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, it is. love inspires. It is. Sweat. Yes, <laughs> it is. Sweat. Um, so anyway, backing up, uh, when I was 18, it was my senior year in high school. My sister, she was 25 at the time, and she had two little babes, mm-hmm. four and six, my, my loves of my life, my niece and nephew. They were so tiny, and I loved them. We spent so much time together. Um, I actually got to witness the birth of my niece. Like, it was amazing. So my sister was like another mom to me, and her kids were like my children. They still are. But um, my sister suddenly passed away. What happened? She had fibromyalgia. And back in 2005, which this is when it happened— she had been to so many doctors, and no one could really figure out what was wrong with her. And she went to so many different internal medicine doctors, and finally there was one that was like, this is fibromyalgia. And back then, nobody knew what that was. So, and we didn't have the internet like we did. Like, we we didn't have like, I don't even, was Google a thing back then? I don't even think. No, but Google doctor is not a good thing it to go on. It is not, but <laughs> we literally knew nothing yeah. about her disease. And so um, basically what it is is like a bunch of nerve endings firing pain. 
And so you're experiencing extreme pain and um, or numbness or swelling and that kind of thing. So her doctor thought it was a great idea to like put her on 12 different medications. And it was so hard um, because she had her little babies. And so I was always over there after school. I'd go help and stuff. But it ended up that we were trying to get her, we're like begging her to like cut back on these pain meds and everything. But it's like, you know, when you go to the doctor, you're like, oh, I I need this for this and this is for this. But then you have like five others because of those medications. So it's just like a lot of overprescribing. And also in 2005, they did a blip of um, an experimental bring your methadone medicine home. Oh, okay. Where normally it's a clinic and you only take it once every 24 hours because it's a very potent drug. It's very dangerous. And so it was supposed to help her cut back on her medication so she wouldn't get withdrawals because that's what methadone is known for. And um, so she only was on it for three days and ended up not waking up. She took the dose too soon and just didn't wake up. So it was very sudden. I see the your eyes watering and Yeah. Yeah. And I I have shared this story so many times and I there is so much pain and sadness behind it. I have gotten so much better about sharing this painful experience. Um, but yeah, it still stings, still hurts, never goes away. Yeah. And that's an important thing too with grief. When my mom passed, I had some people be like, when are you going to get over it? You don't ever have to. Even though, you know, your sister was your best friend. My mother was, you know, a interest, you know, a difficult relationship, but right. still. There's always grief there. Yeah. Because they're, part of you you're a yeah. part of them and that's it's natural it's beautiful it's love it it's is energy love. grief is love yeah to me grief is love and the the grieving I I don't think it ever goes away I just feel like you learn to you learn to live with it a little better yeah and we all will experience it so I even think like normalizing grief and sadness and then being able to support, because, you know, um, a lot of times I've had a lot of friends uh, that haven't experienced grief. What would your, from that experience, what would your advice be? That's a really great question. I, it was hard, like, because I had the same experience as you where people were just kind of like, why are you still crying about this? It's been like a year. <laughs> like, like only a year but like it's been only a year but like wow a year um and then now we're on to 18 years it's just like um I would just suggest for anybody who has never experienced grief but then someone you care about is I would just say just let them know you're there yeah like just don't hold their it. hand yeah don't give advice no <laughs> Do not give advice. It's really like just knowing that someone wants to hold your hand through those tears or like you can yeah. be the shoulder to cry on and yeah. just be there. Yeah, and sometimes it's the silence. Just, I love you. It's okay. You know, just, and uh, so Bobby and I have a 
couples therapist, um, Lori, and she also is a grief therapist. And she was explaining to me that grief is worse in year two. So when you were saying in year one, people were like, you know, this, because year one is all about that person and missing them. And then year two, which I'm in year two right now, is the the survival like, how come I'm still here? Yeah, that survival guilt. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean, through the first year as well, I was always like, I was supposed to be there. I could have yeah. done something. Like, I couldn't have done Why anything. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, this, the story of how it all unraveled is, like, I, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it's, I don't know if, like, you want to call it fate or whatever. Um, but I was supposed to be with her that night that she died. Um, the kids were going to the dentist the next morning. But I ended up having a last-minute babysit job down the street for a neighbor. And so I didn't stay the night. And my mom actually had the kids because my sister said she um, got invited to hang out with some friends. And so she went out to go see her friends that night. And then when she came home, she took her meds and went to bed. And the next morning, my mom was going to go pick my sister up with the kids and take them to the dentist. Mm -hmm. So I, I was babysitting early morning and I just remember getting a phone call from my brother. And I don't really remember a whole lot after I, there was screaming. I'm sure there's like horrific sounds coming out of my mouth and the the kids I was babysitting were one was a little older and I think he just took his little brother to the bedroom and everything is kind of a blur after that but my mom was the one who found my sister and the kids were there too so that that's yeah. a whole other can of worms <laughs> you know I feel like you need to start like a, a group for, I have two friends in the past year and a half that have lost their siblings and the grief is in one and spent one found and the other was with them. Um, and this was from fentanyl, accidental. Yeah. Which like, is becoming more, it's a trend now, sadly. Yeah. 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 So this is our PSA, say no to drugs. Yes, please, <laughs> please. Because even though, you know, you're having a good time and then, you know, just, yeah. Okay, so you're going to start a support group for siblings. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. DM Katrina. Yes, DM me. We'll start a support group. <laughs> it's really important. I mean, my friends still are just like suffering and there's so many, even Emil who um, was on the podcast, Mil Nava and... He just did a documentary about fentanyl and all of that. That's that's a whole different conversation. But okay, so then your strength, because I want this conversation is about your strength. So then your sister's kids are young. You're not even eighteen yet. I was a I was eighteen. eighteen. Yeah. Okay. My birthday's in October, so okay. I was I was always like the oldest. Uh, okay. In my class. So, but yeah, that was um, an interesting time because. In high school, you don't really hear about a lot of people dying. You don't know. So, like, it ended up being, like, the whole school just kind of knew that I was the girl whose sister died. 
And they, of course, all wanted to know. So it was just very weird, like, inappropriate questions. So like, what happened? Of course, everyone's curious. It's so natural to be curious. I'm also one of those curious people that it's always like, it's so shocking. What happened? But it's also like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And um, so for a while, the kids were with my mom. My mom was in shock. Um, I also have a little brother. So he's a few years younger than me. So when this happened, he was 16. And he took it really hard, really hard. I I feel like the day my sister died was a part of him died too. How is he today? He is amazing today. But okay. he has his own journey that he went through. That was around the time he started using. And um, he used street drugs. He used pills and, like, lots of things. And uh, it took him about 15 years to and me and my husband Chad like thank god for Chad. Chad was a really big advocate for my brother to get help and he helped support my family and found a place to get him the rehab he needed. We tried doing intervention. We even like got like one of those intervention people from the show. Oh to, really? Yeah. We flew him out and um he helped us and it took a few tries. Yeah. And so that was happening years later, but... Um, Interventions are crazy. So my dad, I don't know if you know, he's a therapist, mm-hmm. and he he does private practice now, but he also gets hired for interventions. And I've only heard, you know, obviously he doesn't share much at all, but I've heard some intense stories how interventions can be with families. They can be really scary. They can be successful or not, or sometimes... You know, or it takes like ten tries, ten tries, yeah. or fifty-one fifty, or the police. You know, um, it's, it's, yeah. I can't imagine being there as you've already gone through so much, and then with your brother, which I understand with your brother, the pain that he was feeling from that loss. Because, I mean, from my loss with my mother as a teenager, basically, right. I lost her as a mom to mental illness. That's I went on a path of destruction. That's how I knew to handle it. Your brother was feeling this pain, and he didn't know how to handle it. Right, and at such a young age, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, I never went down that road. I. It's weird looking back at my 18-year-old self in grief because I actually— Think I I think I did a great job without knowing it. And I think a big part of it was my mom. And I looked to her as, what do I do? And she just powered through. Like, I know sometimes it's probably not the healthiest thing, but like she got out of bed every day. She ran her own business. So people relied on her. Um, she was a Montessori preschool teacher and did daycare in our home. And so she felt responsible for all these other people as well, even though she was going through this horrible situation but we ended up going to school the following Monday and we like I just I think I was just on autopilot because I didn't really know what to do but once like a few months passed by that's when track season started up and so I had done it the previous year I thought okay maybe I'll do it again and I honestly feel like that's probably what kept my head above water is running, like just exercising. And that's when I first discovered how using exercise really helped my mental state. And I 
could feel okay. Like, I felt like I'm going to be okay. Yeah. That was like with my story of when I was really down, like, when was I happy? What makes me happy? Oh, running. Yeah. I don't run much anymore. I do not either. But <laughs> shout out to those who do. But, you you know, you go through those seasons of, yeah. like, yoga or running or today I jumped on a trampoline and lifted yeah. some weights. Your mom had a routine. And I think that's something important to point out when going through something or having a down moment, whether it's a depression, which could happen, a grief moment or something. And you looked at your mom and saw that she stuck to a routine and she had responsibility. So talk about that a little bit more on the importance of routine. Number one, your mom was a great she was a great example. Teacher of that, yeah. 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 I love my mom. She's like my favorite. Do you have a routine today? I do. I I mean, I'm getting back into a better routine. Aren't we all? Yeah. Because <laughs> there was some times, like, and we'll probably get to it yeah. later, but I, like, just in the last few years have been going through a lot um, of things to grow through. And my routine was the first thing to go. And I, I was, like, kicking myself. And finally, I was like, okay, I'll get back into my routine. So my routine, it's it's a little tricky sometimes because Chad, my husband, is a quadriplegic. He broke his neck, and um, he's got a C6, C5 injury in his spinal cord. So he's in a wheelchair and needs help. And so sometimes his routine is a little more and sometimes it's not and it's just caring for someone it's like they're your priority and then you almost forget that it's like I am my first priority it should be right on the airplane they always say put the oxygen mask on you first and and here I am like not doing that well, <laughs> backing up because then you took cus- you had custody of your niece and nephew. Yeah, so years later. <laughs> so much in the I know, story. I, I don't want to miss it, but yeah. It's really hard to like go in chronological know, order with this story. Talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I feel like my role um, in a lot of my life is caring for others. And once my husband and I got married, we decided to take on the kids, and that's like a whole other story. Like we'd have to have like a part like two or three, two yeah, tomorrow or during yeah. our why not Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, so you're taking care. You are now full custody, and you have you're 18 or 19 was, at this point. So I didn't have custody until uh, after we got married. I was like 24. I was okay. 25. I think I was okay. 25 when we yeah. got them. Like. Okay. They were teenagers when I was 25. 25-year-old, two teenagers. Yeah, 25-year-old new mom. No. <laughs> With teenagers. Yeah. Gave birth to two teens. Yep. But yeah. that, but I'm just going to like say that the earth is blessed by caretakers because we need them. Your family needed you to be a, a caretaker and step in. And you're a kindergarten teacher. And then yoga. Like, it's all caretaking. And it is a lot. And the beauty of all of that, too, is because it, and through all of this, too, and then you met your husband. And you've been with Chad for how long? 10, 12? It's been, we've been talking about this going back and forth. It's I know. Been I know. Thir- 13. 13 together, married for 11. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We so. fell in love instantly. But yeah. 
Um, I guess I never finished answering your question about routine. Sorry. (laughs) Going back to routine. (laughs) Routine. Yes. Routine, though. Like, taking care of others. Um, My therapist, I love her. Um, She's amazing. And she's been through everything with us, with the kids and everything. And so, I go to her even without parental questions. It's just, like, me questions. Um, As you should. Yeah. Which is, I highly recommend. If you're a parent, like, go for yourself. Um, I was, she told me I should wake up in the morning and the first thing I do should be something for me because I was not doing that. I was doing something for others all the time. And then I'd be last and then the routine would be shot. So actually tone it up is what helped me get into that routine. So the first thing I do when I get up, because I've already laid out my clothes the night before, and I already picked out my workout. So I put the workout clothes on and I work out. And for a while, I didn't have a workout room. I would just do it in my closet. So all the girls who've been following me forever know that like I upgraded when the kids moved out. I have my own room now, but it used to be in my closet. I would do my workouts wherever every morning. Yep. I would just fit it in even if it was 10 minutes and that's all I had time for. So that recommendation of just like get up and do something for you. And maybe it's not a workout. Maybe it's a meditation. Maybe it's just drinking your coffee alone or reading a book or listening to a podcast. Yeah, it can be so simple. Even today, I I fell asleep on the couch last night. Bobby and I both did. So you probably snuck. We were watching a <laughs> I movie. I snuck out. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll let you guys be. <laughs> I woke up at midnight. I was like, I slept on the couch again. Bobby stayed there all night. I went into the bed. But I woke up and I was like a little because like, you know, you wait, you're I'm up in the middle of the night. Then I was like, okay, get up. I had my coffee. I'm starting to drink caffeine again. And um, I was like, I don't have too much energy to like really go for it. So I just came to the little gym here. I did 10, 15 minute workout, little stretching. I meditated for two minutes, two minutes, like literally sometimes like just do it. 10, 15-minute workout, and then went in that cold plunge. You did your first one today. I did my first one. And you know what? I did it nude. <laughs> it was exhilarating. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I mean, there's no one out there. No. Except no. there is the motocross track behind you. So if you hear a bike. I looked around. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no one's here? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Isn't that fun being naked and are like a child? And just, yeah, yeah, it really, it, it is. It does bring that inner child out. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But back to, <laughs> back to routine, like it can be so simple. Mm-hmm. I had a similar routine this morning. Yeah. yeah. Same kind of thing. Like I just didn't feel like doing a whole workout. I was like, well, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's sometimes like it's a little accomplishment rather than doing nothing. It's like that little like. I mean, I feel like I fully worked out, fully right. meditated, fully did it up. But it was for me in that moment. And I, I felt accomplished. Yeah. I made my bed. It's like the, the little things. I think yeah. we put so much pressure on ourselves to have to do so much. But I did all that before I had to take on the rest of the day or start calls or work or do anything else. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do the same. And recently, my my newer routine is more gentle. Mm-hmm. I just love starting my day with yoga. It used to be like my early tone it up days, it was all hit. I'm like, I'm going to sweat it out and I'm going to 
like really like hit it hard. And you know, like as you get older, like your body changes. It's like the jumping up and down thing is probably not the best for my body. And then you get injured and all that fun stuff. But lately yoga has been my thing. And then I do a meditation after. And it just depends on how much time I have. I mean, ideally, if I could have like a whole hour to just meditate, I would. That would be amazing. But I don't. So I I just do a few minutes. And sometimes it's two minutes like you. And sometimes it's like 10 or 15. And I'm like, okay, I did it. Yeah. And so, and then Chad also respects that. I'm oh, yeah. Sure he's he like, actually is, like, my advocate. He tells me, like, did you do that today? Like, did you do something for you? He's so sweet about it. Yeah. So that's a tip for all the partners out there. Check in with your partner and you check in with them. Make sure they take some time for themselves. Because yeah. otherwise, Bobby will be like, you're really angry today, Karina. I'm like, no, I'm not. And then that's the trigger. When someone tells me I'm angry, then I get angry. You know and what then I mean? you're like, oh, yeah. Can I meditate today? Yeah. But it's also, like, one of those things, like, with meditation or yoga. Like, if you just do a few minutes of, like, breathing, yeah. you can reset your whole day. Yeah. I've learned that I can do that. Like, that's happened before with Chad's, like, did you? And I'm like, play out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on, um, Fabi and I went on our anniversary trip two weekends ago to the Disco Domes in Texas, and I was just having anxiety in this, and was, he was, like, in the cowboy tub looking at the, the landscape. I was like, I'm going to go inside, and I just laid in bed, and I was meditating. I looked, turned on a meditation for 10 minutes, and I walked back out. He's like, your mood is different. Were you sleeping? I said, no, I was not sleeping. I was just laying there meditating. Makes such a big difference. Yeah, because that happened, like, Chan and I had a disagreement, and it was just this little blip. And he's just, he's he knows me so well that he's like, she's just in a funky mood. I'm just going to let it go. It's like, whatever. It's nothing personal. And we never talked about it for the whole day until the next day. I was talking to my niece about about it, and he just was in earshot. And he's like, we never did talk about that. And I was, and we were laughing, and I was like, that's because I went and meditated for like three minutes and I just had a reset and I, I knew I was being ridiculous. So <laughs> it's all good. And I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's talk about you've been through a lot already. You have custody or not quite custody of your kids, but how about um, we all love a good love story? Yeah, I, I love love. And I love our story. I know. I'm biased. It's ours. I went through so much. And in my mind, I was just like, I am never going to be married. Like, I don't I don't care to be married. It's fine. But I did want to find love. And I've always been that person that, like, when I was a little girl, I didn't care about the wedding, didn't care about the house or the kids or any of that. I was just like, I just want to be in love. Like, that's all. And my... My stepdad and my mom are such a great example of what love looks like. And ever since I was little, um, they they were married when I was like six or seven. So great example of lovers. And that's what I wanted. And I had like two long relationships that lasted way too long that were not healthy. And I was in college. I made good friends with this girl who was in my cohort and we spent so much time together and she'd always talk about Chad like 
Chad this, Chad that. He's so cute. He's so handsome. And she had a little crush on him. Like, who wouldn't? He's so cute. And (laughs) she finally, like, played Cupid and had us meet. But I had a boyfriend at the time. So I wasn't really, like, looking at him like, hey, boy. It was more like, hi, nice to meet you. And the first time we met, we sat across from each other at Red Robin with a group of our schoolmate friends. And he says nothing to me the whole time. Like nothing. He was just so shy. He's very introverted, very quiet. Um, But once he warms up, he's very talkative. But I didn't know him. So I was like, he's silent. He literally says nothing. And then, and then down the road, like about a week later, my friend comes over and calls him on the phone. And I don't know what got into me, but I just kind of took the phone because he was on speaker and I loved his voice. I was like, he has a really nice voice. Picked it up and I basically ditched my friend in the living room, went to the bedroom and was like, hey, Chad, like, let's play 21 questions kind of thing. Like, we just talked. And so we made plans to go out uh, the following weekend and all our friends got together and it was so much fun. He invited all of us back to his place um, and we just sat in the corner. Like, it was just the two of us and nobody else in the world. And there was just a feeling, like, even though I had a boyfriend, I I just felt something from him, this energy from him, this connection we instantly had. And he ended up driving me home that night. Um, a little too much sangria. <laughs> was Not that, Chad, just you. Just me. Was, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chad did not. He, he was fine. He was not the sangria person. It was me. <laughs> and so we hung out a few times, and it ended up being— a few days later, he calls me up and says, hey, do you want to come over? I like just the two of us. And I'm like, okay, like that hasn't happened. And then he's like, I need to show you something. And he pulls up his Facebook. And I'm like, why is he showing me Facebook? And he shows me pictures of my boyfriend with this girl at a wedding. And then they're, mm. then they're in the mountains together, um, just hitting the slopes and drinking. And they, like, there was like a year's worth of photos of them Wait, together. How long were you with this boyfriend? Three years. So at least a year. <laughs> you like had a full other relationship? Yep. Yeah. Like full, full. on. Yeah. Yep. And the reason why Chad stumbled upon it was because he was friends with this girl on his Facebook. And it's funny that he even recognized my boyfriend. He's like, I think this is Katrina's boyfriend. And he's like, oh, oh, my God, like, this is. And so then he showed me, and I was embarrassed. And the funny thing is, I think I only cried about it for only five minutes in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, bye, loser. And then we were done. <laughs> yeah, we were done. And so ever since, I, like, even that first night I met Chad, I was like, you're my new best friend. Like, I just knew it. Yeah. And so even though I had broken up with this long-term series, serious boyfriend he wasn't serious I guess I was the only serious Uh, one I mean I'm pretty much (laughs) sure every person at least woman has gone through something similar yeah yeah (laughs) but I mean Chad was just my rock and it and like everybody was like he's just gonna be your rebound I was like I don't think so like this doesn't feel like that we became best friends and and then we we took it very slow. We yeah. we were just friends and it just we told each other we loved each other before we even like 
physically had anything going on. It was just like, I just love, I was so in love with who, oh, I still am very in love <laughs> with him. But Dad, yeah. I know you're listening. She's still in love with you. I, I still see it on love. her face. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'll say this, Bobby, we've been together, you know, a long, over a decade. And when I get angry, he's like, you're looking very Ukrainian. <laughs> I was like, what? It's like my ancestors. They're coming out. <laughs> they went through a lot. Yeah. Don't, I don't put up with shit. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Chad and I are like two little peas in a pod. Like being together is our favorite thing. So he kind of turned me into a homebody because I'm like the social butterfly who just is always out and about meeting new people. I have, I don't know any strangers. Like mm-hmm. it's just that kind of thing for me. But like as we grow older together and like we we just I don't know we're just even better than ever I just feel like and we've been through so much stuff like raising two teenagers I feel like that's that's like the ultimate test of your marriage well yeah you like brought in teenagers when you're we they're in the weds. yeah newlyweds and teenagers at the brink of rebellion. Right. After <laughs> after they suffered their own traumas of losing their mom at a young age. And then their dad has always been out of the picture. And he he just abandoned them. Like, he, he was in prison while my sister passed away. So there was, like, no way he could even ever take care of them. It was, yeah. it was really up to our family. Um, and so the, my niece and nephew went with my step family member. And that was horrific. It was okay for a little bit, but things just went downhill. She ended up being a single mom of two of her own, plus my two. So she had four single mom, like terrible situation. Her husband found another girl and left her and the family. So like, it was just a whole bunch of like string of events for these kids to endure. So like they, they went through so much that they should not have had to. And these adults that they couldn't count on, you know? And so they thought it was like the greatest idea to live with us at first. <laughs> but then they realized, oh, wait, I have I have to do chores. Wait, I, I have curfew. Wait, there's rules. It's like, the, yeah. I mean, but they, they were always with us anyway. Like yeah. it was one of those situations where it's like we would always joke that it was like as if we were like— um, a divorced family because they were always with us every other weekend yeah. before we had them full time. Um, but it's like different when you actually have them live with you full time and you have to have routines and you have to have boundaries with them and and teach them what you want to teach your kids and make them like responsible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bobby and I are auntie and Funko Bobby to many, but there's well, if they moved in, like, you get to be the fun person when you're on uncle. I was the favorite fun aunt. <laughs> it was great. So, like, when they were like, wait, we get to move in with you guys? This They're like, awesome. Oh, my God. We <laughs> went through it. That's, that's, like, cue in the family coach. Like, she came, she came in and saved our world. If it wasn't for her, if, like, that, as a teacher, I— I have families who are just, like, at a loss. Like, what do I do with this situation with my kid? I always tell them, like, firm believer of counseling. Like, get your family into counseling. Like, you and your partner go to counseling. The kids go to counseling. You all go together. Like, make it a family event and make it normal and do it and just 
keep it on a schedule, even if things feel good, you still need to continue going. Yeah. There's, um, I just did a podcast that I recorded this week and it's coming out right before this exact one, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she has a book. I am so excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So many good tips on parenting and talking about emotions and working, like just little practices, which just go listen to the podcast. And I was like, I think I'm going to take that in my marriage. Like even, I mean, we're just big kids. We are. (laughs) We are. We just are expected to act more appropriately with our emotions. Yeah. And kids just don't filter them. No, there was like, even like when you want to talk instead of like throwing a hissy fit, like if you have a beanbag in the corner, you just go sit in the beanbag. I said, so we have one in the TV room. Normally the palms sit on it. I'm like, Bobby, when you want to talk and you're not sure how to say it, just go sit in the corner in the beanbag. I like that. There's a lot of better <laughs> tips than that one, but that one stood out. I was like, yeah, Bobby, sit on the yeah, beanbag. Yeah, we, we can use that one, yeah. yeah. Go sit in your corner and just calm down. <laughs> take take a break. <laughs> We've already talked about a lot of your grief that you've gone through. And uh, I know this can be a tough one because it's more recent, um, 2018, 19, three. You lost a best friend. And I um, had the honor of meeting her through Tone It Up in Seattle. And Kat and I went to her house and got to spend time with her. She's such a a special, wonderful, strong. Amazing human. Yeah. I, yeah, I just love her. We connected through, um, through Tone It Up, obviously. But like, I was doing retreats, like the, TIU Seattle um, stuff. Oh, you would like, we'd be in Seattle and you'd be like, let's do happy hour and you'd bring like a hundred people or more. (laughs) I was like, one sec, I'll be right back. (laughs) Here are the girls. (laughs) But like we were doing retreats, like my friend and I um, were doing a lot of stuff with Tone It Up Seattle and Brie came to one of the retreats and that's how I met her. Um, She was able to come to two of them and... I just remember hearing her story about how the community helped her. Like I'm getting goosebumps just like all over my whole body right now. Just like, ah, oh, hi, Brie. Yeah, she's here. Mm. Um, it just, ah, oh, it gets me emotional. Yeah. Let's take a moment for her. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I just, oof. I just felt her energy. Um, does that ever happen to you when you just think of someone you really love and you just you just feel them? Yeah. yeah. I, my mom sits in my house sometimes. I feel her energy sitting on the couch. The place where you were sitting last night, sometimes I walk through the room and I look over and she's like there. I love that. I mean, maybe you don't love it, but <laughs> and no, it's just that uh, the comfort, point, like the energy, yeah. like it's the energy for sure. Yeah, like, like I've, I've here. I feel that with my sister. Like my sister and I were so deeply, deeply connected, and she was such a spiritual person. And people probably thought she was a loony boon, like Looney Tune person, because she was into tarot cards and crystals and like all this stuff. I'm all that she, yeah, that's all the stuff I'm into. <laughs> and so, but back then, I think people were like, "Oh, you're, yeah. you're like," yeah. she would call herself a witch. She's like, yeah. "That's fine." 
You can call me a bitch. <laughs> but anyway, I I feel her all the time. And anytime I need her, I, I almost like conjure her energy to me. And that's how I get through a lot of stuff. And I meditate with her. And that's just really, really special. But yeah, just now feeling Bree's presence and just feeling her energy and just thinking back when I first met her and she was a whole story in herself going through cancer that first time. um, She had cervical cancer and the community, the whole Seattle community was there for her. Like we had meals for her. It was like one of those meal trains where like every night her and her partner were able to eat healthy foods as she was going through her treatments. And she was just in tears telling us like how appreciative she was and how Tone It Up has changed her life for the very best. And it's just like all of us were sitting in, we call it our hot tub night. Our hot tub night was magical. Yeah, it was magical. And we just bonded and I just felt like we were forever bonded just after sitting there and taking that in. And Brie ended up getting, the cancer came back um, with a vengeance. And we were so positive. And I remember Chad was telling me, like, he's a realist. And he knows how sensitive I am. Like, I am, I feel so deeply. And I am an empath, like, to the max. Like, he was trying to prepare me for her ending and I didn't believe him. It was really hard. I think I was, in, I, I know I was in denial going through that, watching her fall apart and deteriorate. Like I would come visit and she just was barfing in the toilet half the visit. And I, I like, I came to bring them some food to, that was already prepped. I was like, just throw it in the crock pot. But like most of the time it's just me and her, her husband just staring at each other, just like looking at each other's eyes saying, I'm so sorry. Like both of us were just, but even then I was in denial, like still. You know, it's, yeah, with Bree, she had such a strong spirit about her. And I remember when we were there sitting with her on her couch and she knew, you know, she knew and she's like, it's okay. She's like, I always knew it would come early. Like I wouldn't live that long. It was, she's like, it's just an intuition I had. She was strong for all of us. I think she played it off like she was just fine. Even though I know she she was probably ready before we all accepted that it was happening. But I do remember how strong she was in those dark moments. And she was strong even to the last day that I saw her alive like it was like she I I hate the cliche like oh they're so inspiring like Mm -hmm. it's not inspiring to like be dying an ugly death it's not and (laughs) I hate saying it but like it's true like she was such a beautiful human and and young so young she had so much life like she married her husband, even though I think they both knew she only had a few months left. And it was just something they wanted to do. And she was so strong going through that. So there's probably a lot of people out there who have lost. We've talked about 
losing siblings. We've talked, right. you know, and then friends and this grief. And so then what was the process from there? What was the, your losing a friend like that? What was your biggest, you know, don't all fully heal from grief, as right. we've said, but what helped you the most? Leaning on the people who really care about me and just being honest with how I felt, like being completely raw in how I felt. Um, I was also, that was around the same time as a really close friend of mine just kind of left my life suddenly and she just kind of ghosted me. And I don't, I guess she was seeing the ugliest part of me through grief. And some people just can't. Well, some people get very scared by grief. And it's almost easier to run away than support because it, especially if you haven't experienced a lot of trauma mm-hmm. or grief. It's so uncomfortable to watch somebody. Yeah. In pain. And then it's just, let me turn my back on mm-hmm. you. Right. So I, and I understood that. It just, it took years for me to, to really be okay with it and understand that because I was grieving hard. And I think what, helped was just being authentically myself, like just being okay with the ugly cry and just allowing people to be there for me and just leaning on a shoulder to cry on and just being open and raw about it. I felt like if I just got it all out, then it was easier to to start healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, think about possibly with Chad, you connected. There's, you know, trauma bonding. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's a thing. Yeah. And then, I mean, I've had friends that have gotten mad at me. He said, I don't have any trauma in my life. Like, how do I, like, getting mad at me? And I'm like, it's okay. I'm not, this is not a competition of who has the most trauma in their life. I'm just sharing who I am. But that's like, you know, some people just, their reactions are so different versus, like we said earlier, just be there. Yeah, just be there. Hold my hand. That's all I need. You don't need to understand. I'm not competing with you. It's just be there. Yeah. And my best friend, Lauren, like, that's how she is. And she's been with me through all that. And she's been through all of the beautiful moments and all the ugly moments and she's stuck with me and she is the best at just being there. Like, and she knows like, do you, do you just need to talk? Like, I'll, I'll just listen. Like she doesn't even have to say anything. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm already calming down. I'm like, thank you so much. Like it just happened the other day, you know, like, (laughs) I know that's the thing. But now I, now I preface some conversations with my husband. I'm like, I just want to share something, but I don't want your advice. Yeah, I've done that for Chad, too, because he's a Mr. Fix-It. I want to fix all your problems and help you. Yeah. And then I do that as well. And I just say, and I think being open about what your needs are in that moment, I think that's another thing that will help others around you. If you're going through something tough or you're grieving, I feel like that is the best thing you could do for them, too. And just let them know, like, this is what I need from you. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it works out great. And Bobby's gotten very good at it. And I can tell he's proud of himself too, because he'll be like, okay. <laughs> he gets so excited when he's like, because he loves to talk. 
give advice. I'm like, I don't want Because then that just, like, pisses me off more. I'm like, I don't want your advice. I just need someone to listen. Yeah. It's like, I just need you to let me complain a little or cry a little. And, yeah, that's all. Express and say, you're beautiful. I love you. And then I'm I'm good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's so simple. I'm I'm so simple. (laughs) Oh man. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, we're talking about all of these quote unquote tragedies, but I always think like not happening to me, it's happening for me. I mean, you have persevered. Your superpower is resilience. And then you get to share that with, you know your students and others and community and friends and around you and not saying that you don't suffer from your own anxiety possibly moments of depression do you ever yeah yeah like I I've always been like a happy-go-lucky person and my my attitude is pretty positive even when shit happens I'm I'm just kind of like okay like what what can I do to make it better? Like, what can I do to help? Like, just have, like, a positive attitude. But I've—there was a point in the most recent time that I felt um, really angry because of all of the traumas I've had to endure. I almost felt, like, mad at the universe. Like, why— is this happening? Because you uh, could handle it. Right. And you're a teacher then. Yeah. Like you're not just like yeah. you are the they're the universe is giving this yes. to you because you can teach other yes. people that they can get through anything. And then those little small things that happen where people freak out about I'm like, it's okay. It's it's gonna be fine. Yeah. The little things really are you're the chosen one. I guess. I like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. I think maybe I'll just start saying that. I'm the chosen one. Give I am the me. chosen one. I am. But it doesn't feel like that empowering in the moment. Um, yeah, because in the moment, I I was feeling like it's almost like one thing after the next after the next. It's like I just felt like, oh, the world feels heavy. Like, because of, like, going through the death of my sister and then taking on teenagers, losing a friend, and, like— Most recently, the house. Yes, my in-law's house. So, Chad's parents' family home, like, the one that all the kids were raised in, just a pipe blew from the city, um, and it just destroyed—there was water gushing down the hill and completely took the house off the foundation. They lost everything. And, and that was within the last year or last yeah, it was months. about a year and a half. Yeah. 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 And so that was probably like, even though I've been through a lot of horrible things, I felt like. That was your home. Yeah. That was like the sturdy home. Like we, oh, that was the hub. We'd always be there. Always. And I even lived there before Chad and I moved in together. And so it was just like. A part of us was in that home, and it was more than a home. Like, it literally felt like a death of a family member losing that home. And watching how that tragedy affected my in-laws, I have, like, the most beautiful relationship with them, even before all of this happened. Like, my mother-in-law is one of my best friends. 
we are always talking and we just get along so well. But this tragedy like really did bring us close together because they ended up living with us in our little home, (laughs) our little 2,400 square foot house with four adults and two golden retrievers. Mm -hmm. We got real close. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was probably one of the most difficult things to watch to see the grief that they had to go through during that because these are the people that you look up to. These are my role models. These are my 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 humans and they are broken. They were so broken when it happened and I I'll never forget the morning after it happened. My father-in-law was still in the clothes he was in from the night before because they had nothing. They had no clothes, just whatever they were wearing when it happened. I came out to the living room and he was sitting on the floor just crying. And I, he's like the strongest man, like looking to him, like he's the, the DIY dad. Like he helps us with everything and he's so positive and he's this wonderful person in our community. And to see him fall apart broke my heart. And I just felt like I, in that moment, knew I get to be their rock now because they've been there for me. So, yeah. You're a good person. (laughs) You're the teacher. Yeah. (laughs) What would three... If someone's listening and they're like, I can't get like everything you've been through and your superpower is resilience, even though resilience doesn't have to look perfect right. at all. It is a mess. It's a resilience yeah. is messy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people could look at my life and be like, oh my God, it's so perfect. But no, life, no, there is no discrimination when it comes to pain and hurt and brokenness and loss and grief and trauma. But what would your three tips be for resilience? I would say number one is be honest with yourself. I feel like we tell ourselves too often that like, it's okay. It's okay. And it's not. And it's that toxic positivity that like made me angry at this point. It was after this the, their house went down that I started to feel like, I can't, I can't be positive about it right now. And I, I had to be real with myself and, and just say, it's not okay. It might be okay later, but right now I don't feel okay. And I, I think, because uh, I ended up having a panic attack. Um, what does that feel like for you? Because a lot of people don't know when they are having them. And like, for me, my first one was out I don't know if I, if I shared this on the podcast. Um, it was in Chicago at the Tone Up Tour backstage before I went on stage. I think it was just like the last event. And Sarah Bishop, my yeah. assistant at the time, was in the bathroom with me. And I was like laying on a cold floor. My heart was racing. It was just like, it was a heavy 30, 30 days, 15 cities in 30 right. days. And just some, I don't know. It just came up. and It, it was just happens. Lot. Yeah. And You're not like, expecting it. Couldn't lift. I was like, I got to go teach a workout. Couldn't raise my left arm. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. It was so, and then I went on stage in the middle of a panic attack and jumped around. And 
then I had my friend come to my hotel room before I went to the after party and like she did Reiki on me. Wow. Yeah. Did the workout help at all? It distracted. <laughs> like you got to, like, so I, I asked you what your panic attack was like and then I was yeah. like, oh, I'm talking about mine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying like, I actually thought something was wrong with me. And so when I got back to LA, I went to the doctor and did EKGs and everything. And they're like, you're fine. You just have anxiety. I was like, okay. Got okay, it. We can handle it. Like, <laughs> no, you I know. I wasn't having I a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I have, honestly, I've only had two in my whole life. The first one happened a month or two after my sister passed away. And I was 18 years old and didn't know what to do. Um, and I I had, a, you know, a teenage boyfriend that was like, why are you so sad? Like, <laughs> So I, I didn't, I don't know if I, like, some of my friends were really good to me back then, and I, I'll always remember them for being there for me. Um, but I felt lost, and I missed her. She was my best friend. I didn't know what to do. And when you're a teenager in high school, like, your big sister is usually, like, if you have a good relationship with her. <laughs> we had a great relationship, and I I always leaned on her. Like, I just kept telling myself, like, because I was in my car when it first happened, and I remember driving down the road thinking about how she should be here for me, and I was upset. I was just overwhelmed. Like, I am so upset, and I don't have my best friend with me, and she should be here. She should be supporting me in her death. <laughs> like, I just— She is now. She is, <laughs> for sure. No, I definitely have her next to me all the time when I need her, um, but— I started to breathe heavy, and it, it was very short sips of breath to the point where then I started feeling dizzy, and I couldn't stop. I didn't know how to breathe, and I thought I was dying. I Like, my chest was tight, and I was like, my lungs are just going to stop working. They're just going to freeze. And I, um, I called my boyfriend at the time, and he ended up calling the 911, and which, when looking back, I'm like, Okay, he did the right thing because I was in distress. But in the moment, I was embarrassed, and it made it worse because there's this giant fire truck in a parking lot trying to help me. And I was like, oh, my God. And he brought—so my boyfriend, I told him where I was, and he brought, like, three of his guy friends as I'm having my panic attack, plus all these firefighters. as all these men around me as I'm like trying to breathe. And so finally we calmed down and I was okay. And I, I waited till I was okay until I went home and I talked to my mom about it. Um, and I, it never happened again after that until after the house went down. And so these are like, there's been a lot of major events in my life, but I feel like I, in the two moments that these events happened, I don't think I was as in tune with myself as I have been throughout all the years. I feel like finding my routine and like being in tone it up and all that stuff, like doing that stuff kept me like real strong. And I was able to do the things I needed to prevent a panic attack from happening. So it happened again on my way to work um, after the house went down because work was a struggle. I mean, imagine at this time I was teaching first grade and these kids love them, love them so much, but they were going through their own traumas after the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was trying to be their person, their rock, 
at school, they had big behaviors trying to deal with their struggles and their trauma. And then at home, I had a whole other bag of trauma happening. And so on the way to work, I just kept feeling like, like nothing fits. I kept changing my clothes the whole morning. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to wear that. Like everything on my skin felt gross. Like I didn't want anything touching me, but I'm like, I have to wear clothes at work. And like Chad's like trying to hug me goodbye to work. And I was like, I really, I love you, but I, I can't hug anyone right now. I just can't everything. I was like having a sensory overload and it wasn't until I was two minutes down the street. I only work a few minutes from home, but I, I couldn't breathe. I stopped breathing. Like my lungs got tight again and I, I wasn't even thinking anything. So in the middle of one of those panic attacks, like I'm not even thinking. It's all feeling. And it feels like you're trapped and I can't breathe in my chest. And so I called Chad. He's amazing. He like, like I said, when I first talked to him on the phone, he had the sexy phone voice. So I had him on the phone and he's calming me down and he's telling me how to breathe. So I think the second thing to go back to your question. <laughs> number two. Number two is make sure your loved ones know mm-hmm. how to do a breathing exercise with you. Yes. You know what? Um, I am allergic to fire ants, I found, when I moved to Texas. And the first time I got bit on the feet by fire ants, and I was on the, I thought I was having, it was when my mom was in hospice and I wasn't there yet in San Diego. And I thought I was just having a panic. And then I'm like, oh, my armpits were inflamed. And then I was, I called Bobby. I was like, I think I'm having like a psoriasis and like from stress because my skin reacts. He's like, okay, just calm down. And then I'm talking to him. I'm like, let's tell the woman. He's like, go get Benadryl. So I drive myself to go get Benadryl, and this is during 2021, so, like, you go through the drive through because you can't go in the CVS. Yeah. And I, like, chug Benadryl before while driving 10 minutes back home. I pull up, and I'm like, nope, nope. My whole body is in a rash now. My tongue is more swollen. And he's like, okay, go to urgent care. So I am driving myself on Benadryl. But Bobby's like, Freak! I'm fully freaking out. He's out of town, so I'm by myself. I would be panicking. <laughs> and he he led me through on speakerphone on the car through a breathing exercise. He's like, just take a deep breath in. And like it was another like 10, 12 minute drive, and he just made sure I was breathing. And it was dark outside. Like, and I I don't you know I don't drive. I don't even have a car anymore. <laughs> but he led me through a breathing exercise and made sure I was breathing until I got to urgent care. That's like life changing. Yeah. 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 So that's a good tip. It is. That's my favorite thing that he did for me in that moment. Yeah. And don't say, oh, you're going to be okay. No. <laughs> Definitely not. No, not in the moment. Because you literally don't say, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in your head. <laughs> Even if it isn't your head. You're making it worse. Yeah, don't say that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, getting back to the three tips. The first one, what did I say? To be real with yourself. Number two, make sure the people who are there for you know how to 
do a breathing exercise with you. And I think three is be nice to yourself. And maybe that kind of goes into the first one, but more than just be nice to yourself, but like do nice things for yourself, do things that make you feel good. Like if it's going to be like to eat it like three cupcakes and that's like what's going to make you feel good, please do that. I know. I go through phases. Like, I don't like sweets, but then I go through phases and I'm like, I want to order Tiff sweets. They deliver warm cookies to your house with ice cream. I went through three days where I wanted Tiff treats and Bobby's like, what's going on with you? I'm like, just let me be. Yeah. Like, this, is, this, is, I'm, this is me doing self-care. Yeah. <laughs> Stuffing my face with treats. And don't feel guilty. Yes. Yeah, that's like paired with it. Like be nice to yourself, do nice things, and don't feel bad about it. I used to feel guilty for for treating myself. Yeah. I mean, even we had massages today. Yes, thank you. It was incredible. Stephanie, if you're in Austin and you need a masseuse that comes to your house and she's just such a like angel. I love her vibe. Yeah. Love it. And I used to be like, people are calling me for work. I'm like, I'm busy. You know what? I should yeah. say, I'm getting a massage. Yeah. Because I need it. And yeah. I am now, after that massage, we were just sitting there and like, mm-hmm. send out. Because you deserve it. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a must. Like, really, don't feel bad about treating yourself well. I yeah. I think we need to get away from that. Like, like never feel guilty if if you are doing yourself a favor. Yeah. I mean, and you deserve that massage. I saw you Thank arrive you. and like you traveled. I was like, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. No, it was perfect. I was like, these are muscles that I've been needing to, to be tenderized a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's your so wrapping up those three tips. <laughs> yeah, we went oh. It was like the long, the long scenic yeah. route. We'll wrap it up in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> And in case you missed it, after this tonight, we're going to go to Ski Shores, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do a little wine chat. So head over to um, the Big Silence or Tone It Up Instagram, and you can watch that video, too, because we're doing a little AMA. I'm so excited. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence.